If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Isaiah 45. And we'll read from verse 18. For the Lord is God, and he created the heavens and the earth and put everything in place. Somebody say that with me. Everything in place. He made the world to be lived in, not to be a place of empty chaos. I am the Lord, he says, and there is no other. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word because it's truth and it's life. Help us, God, to see ourselves in your word so we understand your plan and your purpose for us. And we give you praise for that in Jesus' name. Amen. So how many of you in here have ever walked into a room at some point in time in your life and when you walked in to that room, you spoke these infamous words, what am I here for? Why, why did, what did I come in this room for? And so that's what I want to speak to you today. The, the title of my message today is, what are we here for? Would you turn around and look at your neighbor one time and just say that, what are we here for? God has a plan and a purpose for us. It said that he, he created the world to be lived in. And when you look at the sequence of creation, there are some things that we need to take note of. I think what happens sometimes is we just forget what we're here for. So if you look at, uh, in Genesis, the first chapter, and you can just kind of scroll through there and look at that while I'm talking about that. But in Genesis, when creation begins, there are phrases that are used. Let there be. So he says, let there be light, and there was light, right? And then he goes on, and look at the next phrase that he talks about. He said, let the land, everybody say the land. He said, let the land bring forth grass. So he's speaking to a part of creation to do something. He said, let the land bring forth grass. He says, let the creatures abound with an abundance of living, or I'm sorry, let the waters abound with an abundance of living creatures. So he's speaking to the water to bring forth. And then he says, and let the earth bring forth the living creature. But then all of a sudden, the language of creation changes. No longer do you hear him saying, let there be or, or let a part of earth bring forth. The next part of creation is not for the land or the sea to bring forth. The next part of creation is found in Genesis 1 and 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over the cattle, over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Here God is making man in his image, and he's speaking to man to take dominion. Genesis 2 and 7, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. God makes man in his image. This tells us that this new being called man possesses a higher nature than the rest of creation. 
even though he created us from dust, we carry the breath and the image of God. Say that with me. The breath of God and the image of God. My concern is, is that we forget that. We forget what we're here for. You're not like the birds or the animals or the creeping things. You are a reflection of who God is. You, you portray the character of God. You carry the breath of God. Psalms 8 and 3, when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you're mindful of him? How many of you have ever looked in a night sky? If you would throw that first slide up for me. The night sky, any moment now. There it is. And, and, and you just look, you know, and there's so much distraction down here. There's so much happening in our world and, and around us that sometimes we, we forget about the majesty of God and the majesty of his heavens. But if you ever look up and, and you see that, if you ever stood at a night sky and just looked up and felt a little insignificant? What about the ocean? Have you ever stood at an ocean shore? That was your cue. Have you ever stood at an ocean shore and watched the waves come crashing in? And you, you see that and, and your breath is taken away by it and you stand in awe of that. And in that vast ocean, you feel like, man, what, what am I? My personal preference is the mountains. Have you ever gone to the mountains and stood and looked up? You can't go to the mountains and not come away without knowing there's a God. The maj majesty of those mountains that tower above you, and in the midst of all that, it's easy for us to feel like we're insignificant and we don't matter. But here's the truth. You, my friend, are the only part of creation that carries his image and his breath. You're the only part of creation that he made in his likeness. And so the reason we begin to feel insignificant is because we forget like walking into that room, we forget what we are here for. Somebody turn and you look at your neighbor and say, I am here for a purpose. Now, you may forget it. You may, you may walk into a room and say, I know I came in here for something. I, I, I know I stepped in here for a reason. I, I just can't remember it at the moment. Give me a second and I'll tell you what I'm here for. And every once in a while, we need to take inventory of our walk with God and, and our relationship with God and ask ourselves that question, do we remember what we are here for? I want to remind you today what you're here for. Look at this passage, the, the rest of this passage in Psalms 8, when it says, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him? He said, you have made him a little lower than the angels. What's powerful about that word, everybody say angels. The, the Hebrew word that they use for angels there is Elohim. 
It's the same word that they use to translate God in other places. And then what, what it says right after that, it says, you have crowned him with glory and honor. What's he saying? He's saying, you made man, and, 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 and you made him like you. You, you, you. you caused him to carry your image, and you crowned him with glory and honor. He's below you, but he looks like you. He, there's something about man that reflects God. When I was little, how many of you have ever looked in the mirror? How many of you look in the mirror in the morning? How many of you need to look in the mirror in the morning? Now, am I, is that in your eyes? Is it now? Okay. <laughs> Just go ahead and mess with me. No, I'm kidding. So, what, what are you saying? I'm saying when we look in the mirror, it's a reflection. It, it's not really us. I'm not really inside that mirror. It's just reminding me who I am. So I, I go to, uh, I'm, I'm working nights and sleeping during the day, and a guy came, this has been years ago, a guy came and knocks on my door early, and when he knocked on my door, I, I went to answer the door, and when I answered the door, he goes, I thought, well, what's his problem? And he asked me, he said, do you want, I'd been, you know, I've been saying, he said, uh, we're hooking up cable and we want to know if you'd like it. You know, you can, I said, no, I, I don't want cable, thank you. And I closed the door and I thought, man, what a way to look at me. And then on the way back to the bedroom, I happened to look at the mirror. And when I looked at the mirror, I understood why his, why his reaction was like that. My hair was doing a dance on the top of my head all over man and I had hair then I mean it was it was all over my head man just sticking straight up so when I looked at him it took him by surprise because I didn't take a look at myself before I looked at him now that's a lot of words and let me explain what I'm saying if if you forget to look at who you are if you forget to remember whose image you carry. My grandmother used to tell my dad, he said, as long as Rick is alive, you'll never have to worry about dying, Delbert, because he is the image of you. Do you get the purpose of God? God is saying, I want you to carry me in this world. I want you to reflect who I am. There are some things that I'm going to lay out for you to do, and if you'll walk in that purpose, you're going to reflect who I am am and so this is what he says he gave him glory and honor and he said you have made him now i'm still in psalms eight and five probably now or six you have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands you have put all things under his feet i want you to hear that again you have made him to have dominion over the works, not, not of our hands. You have made him to have dominion over the work of your hands. What did he do? He took man, he makes creation, and then he takes the crowning pinnacle of creation, man, breathes into man, makes man in his image, and he says, now I want you to have dominion over all I've made. And yet we walk around insignificant, 
feeling small and like we don't count, it's because we forgot what we're here for. Look at Psalm, or look at Genesis 1 and 28, and Genesis 1 and 28 is going to be a reminder for us this morning of why we're here. And God blessed them and said unto them, be fruitful and multiply. Everybody say it, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. So here we see what his mandate is for us. Be fruitful, multiply, replenish, subdue, and take dominion. Now, how many of you know that everything that happens in the natural world has a spiritual correlation? So I can look at this in the natural, and and God is telling man to multiply and fill the earth, have a bunch of babies, and, you know. But if I think that's the only purpose I have, then when we quit having babies, we're, I mean, is it, if is the only reason I'm here, is God put me on this earth to see if I could make heaven my home? Wouldn't that be a little bit taunting that God plants me on earth and says, let's see if you can navigate your way through this? No, God had a plan. He still has a plan. There is a mandate that is put on us. Now, in the natural, he takes, in Genesis 2 and 15, it said that he took Adam and he put him in the garden and he told him to tend it and watch over it. So, we're supposed to be managers of the earth, right? And that's still true today. Just all, I, I can prove it this way. If you don't manage forests and you have a fire breakout you will have hundreds of thousands of acres burn simply because nobody bothered to get out the underbrush and cut fire breaks through there. If you look at wildlife and you don't manage wildlife, then you get consumption disease. And I saw a deer with it one time, and dogs were eating the thing alive. And I got out of the car and drove the dogs off, but I couldn't help the deer any more than that because it had not been managed. But there is a spiritual application to this that we're to carry. There is a mandate that God has placed on our lives to walk in dominion. If you will, the Old Testament is filled with types and shadows. So if you look at this in the Old Testament and you see the fruitful, multiply, replenish, subdue, and take dominion, then you've got to wonder, what's that mean to us in the New Testament? How does that apply to our life now? Well, let's take a look and see what these words mean. The word fruitful means to produce fruit and grow. Now, obviously, you can't believe that, you know, that... God was just telling us, everybody go plant a bunch of grapes. But he says, be fruitful. So take a look in the New Testament at John 15, 1 and 2. Jesus speaking, and Jesus said, I am the true vine. And my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears 
fruit he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Got some good news for you. You're going to feel some pain whether you're bearing fruit or not. He said, if you don't bear any, he's going to cut you, take you away. You're going, he's going to cut you, plumb out of it. He said, but if you do bear fruit, now hear me, because this is what happens. We get in life and we get complacent. We get into a routine. We go to church. We do this. We do that. And we get complacent and we forget that we carry the image of God, that God breathed in us, that there's something powerful that we pack in a physical body. And he's saying, I want you to let it grow. I need, I know you're doing good, but I want you to let it grow more. You know, when, when your baby, how many of you remember when your baby got potty trained? Remember? And, and you, what were you doing? <laughs> when they sat on the pot and you went, oh, big boy. Big, you said, that's so good. That's so good. But if he was 16 years old, <laughs> you'd be going, doc, we got a problem here. You know, because, why? Because he should be growing. He should be bearing fruit to produce. How many of you believe, I, I believe this, I believe that I ought to be closer to God this time next year than I am now. If I'm not, then I'm not bearing more fruit. What are you, what are you getting at? I'm saying that I have... I've got a fruit tree. I've got three fruit trees in my yard. At their apple trees. They don't have a clue what they're supposed to be doing. They they just sat there. They I had a couple little apples show up one year and I thought, "Come on, boy. Come on." See, the problem is is I'm not treating that tree with what it needs to grow. If you want your life to grow in God, you're going to have to put some stuff in here that's going to cause it to grow. You're going to have to get rid of some of the pests that are messing with your life. You're going to have to get rid of some of the insects that are trying to eat you alive. Everybody say, don't bother me. Just, you know, I, I got no, you know, we used to do a song said, Satan, don't you bug me, bug me, bug me. Satan, don't you bug me anymore. Thank you for joining right in. <laughs> saying, say, we, we, we try and, you, you can't, you're not going to go through life without attacks. But it's how you treat those attacks that's going to determine whether or not you bear fruit. If when the attack comes, I just let it eat me alive. Well, that doesn't even, how many of you have ever dealt with bitterness? Or anger? And it'll eat you from the inside out. It'll stifle your walk with God. It'll stop you in your tracks. And the only way to get rid of it is to take it to God. He's saying, then I'm going to cut it out. You're, you're bearing fruit, I'm going to trim you, and you're going to bear more fruit. Everybody say fruitful. And by the way, the Scripture does say that you'll know the tree by the fruit that it bears. How many of you have ever been around someone that made you really feel good? 
I'm talking about when you got around them, you felt like you felt like going on with the Lord. How many of you ever been around someone that really made you get down on your knees and pray to get through? You know what I'm talking about? It was like, you know, they both took you to God just in different ways. <laughs> So we, we've got to be fruitful. Watch, watch the fruit that you're hanging out with. It talks about that we are to multiply, be fruitful and multiply. The word multiply there in Hebrew, when I'm talking from Genesis, means to increase, be in authority. Everybody say authority. Listen to what Jesus says in Luke 10 and 19. Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. I give you authority to trample on what? Serpents and scorpions. So as soon as I read that, I ran down to the zoo and to the reptile center. No. <laughs> See, this, this is about God is saying, what, what I'm telling you, I'm trying to show you the spiritual correlation. He wasn't talking about physical serpents and scorpions. He's talking about demonic influences that try and attack your life and take you down and discourage you. And he's saying, I'm telling you right now that you carry my breath, that you're made in my image, and I have given you authority to bind that, to get it behind you. And so when Peter, think about this, man, sometimes it can be your closest friend. Run up here, Marty. Peter comes up to Jesus. Jesus is telling about what he's getting ready to go through. And Peter says, oh, no, no, not so, Lord. That's never, say that to me. You know. Oh, no, not so, Lord. Get behind me. Can you imagine what Man, he felt like? <laughs> well, think about what Peter felt like when all of a sudden he's telling Jesus, no, no, you know, that, that's not going to happen to you. And Jesus spun around on him and said, get behind me, Satan, because you savor the things of men and not of God. What's going on? Jesus is human too. He's not just the son of God. He's the son of man. He doesn't want to die. Now he's got somebody feeding him a line that's going to, do, that's going to divert him from from his purpose and he takes authority over it thank you give him a big hand we have to learn how to take authority over our emotions over our how many of you how many of your emotions have ever gotten out of whack ladies help me out here ladies you, no, I'm just talking about you. You know your husband's better than anybody else. If you, emotions get out of whack, and you have to learn how to take authority over them. Because if you don't, then you'll be a prisoner of them. Any of you ever have an emotion come up that you knew was wrong? You know what I mean? That guy cut you off in traffic, and after you chased him for five miles, you decided you probably ought to turn around. Somebody said something to you or didn't say 
something to you. You walk into a room. Let me show you how your emotions will mess with you. You walk into a room, and there's a group of people over here, and they see you walk in, and they, hey, and then he, they turn back, and they start laughing, and all of a sudden, they're laughing about you. They're talking about you. And the truth is, they've, they've already forgot you. <laughs> They're not talking about you. They're talking about something else. But your emotions begin to take you to places. I'm telling you, God gave you your emotions to experience life, not to dictate to your life. You have to take authority over them. Somebody say authority. I, well, never mind. I'm okay. Does it work? Can, can you really take authority has he given us that authority to be able to trample on serpents and scorpions look at acts 13 and 9 saul also known as paul was filled with the holy spirit and looked the sorcerer in the eye and then he said you son of the devil full of every sort of deceit and fraud and enemy of all that is good will you never stop perverting the true ways of the lord watch now for the Lord has laid his hand of punishment on you, and you will be struck blind. You will not see the sunlight for some time. Instantly, mist and darkness came over the man's eyes, and he began groping around, begging for someone to take his hand and lead him. When the governor saw what happened, he became a believer, and he was astonished at the teaching about the Lord. He took authority. Several years ago, my car broke down. This is before Debbie and I are married. I break down like at 1 o'clock in the morning. I'm on my way to a camp. You remember when we, you know, we used to have those summer camps? And Debbie was at that camp. I was driving to get there, and my car broke down. And when my car broke down, man, it's 1 o'clock in the morning. There's, not, there's an abandoned station, and I see a light on the inside. And I go up there, and I start. This is before cell phones, folks. Uh, you know, some of you don't know what that means, you know. <laughs> God help us when, you know, I was talking to one of our young ladies and talked about a rotary phone. She looked at me, what's that? What's, what's a rotary phone? I thought, I just thought maybe I ought to grunt like a caveman or something. Cause, you know. So there, there are no cell phones. There's, and I knock on this door, and I'm knocking, and this guy opens the door, and it's a big old guy, man. And he opens that door up, and he looks at me, and I said, have you got a phone I could borrow? I said, man, I said, I... You know, I'm broke down out here, and he let me come in, and I, I make a phone call to that camp trying to get someone to come and help me, come and pick me up. I finally get a hold of someone, but, man, the, I, I've got an hour wait, and this guy lets me stay in there, and he's playing this real funky music. You know, I mean, it's going, I don't know what it was, man. It was and, he's, and, and he starts talking to me about this group that he was thinking about joining. And he said, it has 10 principles that you reach to achieve. And he said, and I was really thinking about joining. He said, but the last one kind of made me back off because the last one said, it's all right to kill anybody that's keeping you from getting the first nine. I'm not making this up. He looks at me and he's, there's this pentagram that he has on the wall that he has wired and there are lights he kicks this thing on and it starts moving and when it starts moving and this music is going man i feel something coming into that room and i just stood up and i started praying 
I said, God, I'm just asking you in the name of Jesus to bind this, whatever this is in this room, bind it. And all of a sudden, he quit looking at me. And he said, I, and he said well, listen to what he said. He goes, he, he looked away from me and he said, sometimes he said, I, I, I don't like to look at people because I, I feel like that sometimes I'm looking at God. Made in his likeness. You carry the breath of God. He has given you authority over all things. Take dominion. We let the devil work us over, beat up our families, and then run, leaving us weeping and crying in a heap. We need to stand up and declare, I am a child of God. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world, and I bind you in the name of Jesus. Don't give place to the devil. I'm talking about a mandate that's on our lives. Be fruitful, multiply. The next thing he said was replenish. The word replenish there in Hebrew means to accomplish, confirm, and consecrate. So let's look at the word accomplish. Ephesians 3 and 8. Though I am the least deserving of all God's people, he graciously gave me the privilege of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasures available to them in Christ. I was chosen to explain to everyone this mysterious plan that God, the creator of all things, had kept secret from the beginning. God's purpose in all this was to use the church to display his wisdom and its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in heavenly places. <laughs> Did you get that? He's saying, God set me up. To be able to tell people about the power of the gospel and the devil can't stop me. <laughs> With all, all, all the unseen places, the authority. What's he saying? He's saying the devil can't stop the word. Declare the word. You, can, you will accomplish when it is the word of God that you're standing on and not your opinion. Everybody say opinion. You know the unique thing about opinions? Everybody's got one. The other unique things is everybody's opinion is different. And I thought about that. I thought, I do not understand how so many people can be wrong. We have to get away from our opinion and stand on the word of a God because the word of God will accomplish what it was set forth to do. It doesn't return void. Now, he says that he, he did this according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus, our Lord. What's he saying? He's saying it was accomplished in Christ, not in us, in Christ. And so we gain our power, we gain our victory through Christ because of Christ and our faith in him. We can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. Somebody say confirm. If you ever get ready to take a flight and before you go to the airport what do you do you confirm that you still have one you confirm that there's still a plane mark 16 and 19 when the lord jesus had finished talking with them 
he was taken up into heaven and set down at the place of honor at God's right hand. And the disciples went everywhere and preached, and the Lord worked through them, confirming what they said by many miraculous signs. Everybody say, confirm. He confirms by miraculous signs. How many of you have ever had God do something miraculous? You know what I'm talking about? Just miraculous. I've, I've, had, I've, I've been in services before when I was evangelizing and I was preaching and I had somebody come up and they, they looked at me and, man, they're just trembling. And they said, and, they, and I started speaking to them and they just, and I thought, what's going on? They looked at me and they said, after service, they said, you can't believe what happened. I said, what? What happened? They said, when you started talking to me, you told me exactly what I had just been thinking. I'm not a mind reader. <laughs> That's a miraculous sign. How many of you have ever felt God urge you? How many of you have ever been traveling and gotten lost? How many of you, when you were traveling and got lost, had God urge you to stop? Now, you may think this is uh, unusual. I'm just telling you the truth. I, w I was traveling, I get in a place, and I come by this, there, there's this station, and I feel, all of a sudden, man, I, I get this urge, and I stopped, and I pulled over, and Deb said, what are you doing? I said, I, I want to go in here and ask directions, because I wasn't sure. This is before Siri showed up in my life. I hope we've got a woman telling me where I'm at. No, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I couldn't resist that. So, anyway, so, the, this, the, I, I pull off at this station, and when I pull off at this station, I go in and I said, hey, I'm headed to such and such. I said, I, I, where am I? And he said, You're, well, he said, you turn right here. I stopped at the very place that I was supposed to turn. I can't tell you how many times that's happened to me, that a miraculous sign. Now, people think, oh, that's not miraculous. It was to me. How many of you have ever had God do something miraculous in you? or for you, or through you. He's confirming himself to us. We then in turn ought to be confirming him to others. We need to be sharing what he's done for us. Consecrate, so dear, this is Hebrews 10 and 19, so dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh. And now to watch what it says. Seeing we have a great high priest who rules over God's house. Let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts. Fully trusting him. For our guilty conscience has been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean. And our bodies have been washed with pure water. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And not, let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Everybody say, guilty conscience. How many of you ever started, maybe even in, this, in, in the church service, start raising your hands and all of us, you know, and you're worshiping God, and right in the middle of your worship, the devil shows up reminding you of your past. And all of a sudden, 
you get this feeling of guilt come over you. I don't have a past. What are you talking about you don't have a past? According to the Word of God, all my sins got cast into a sea of forgetfulness. <laughs> the devil keeps reminding you because he knows God's chosen to forget. So he can't manipulate God with your past. So he tries to manipulate you with your past. And what here, what Paul is saying, you don't have one anymore because Christ has sprinkled his blood over my guilt. Oh, you need to hear what I'm saying. He can't hold it against me anymore. I'm free. I am a new creation. How many in here, how many of you in here were really a rascal? Now, put your hand down. You don't have a pass. Get your hand down. We're confessing to something that God said we're not anymore. When Troy was doing communion, he talked about God judging Christ on the cross. Listen to what the Scripture said. For he was made sin who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God. That we might, what's he saying? He's saying, I took on your mess and gave you right standing with God. Man, that's powerful. Somebody say, I want that. I got good news for you. You got that. You got that if you know him. If you've said yes to him, you got it. You don't have to wait for it. He tells us to subdue. Everybody say, conquer. Luke 10 and 17, Jesus makes statements, or the disciples come back and it said, the 70 returned again with joy saying, Lord, even devils are subject to us. What's he saying? He's saying they've been conquered. He said they're subject to us through your name. Not, on my, not in my name, but in his name. They're subject. Paul makes a statement and he said, what shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Jesus looked at those disciples when they're rejoicing over devils being subject to them in his name. And he said, don't rejoice because devils are subject to you. You need to rejoice because your name is written down in heaven. You need to get excited because you're not who you used to be. You need to be excited because you have been made a joint heir with God, with Christ. Paul goes on to say, For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. What's he saying? He's saying, we've been made more than a conqueror. We, we, we're my, subdue means to conquer. We've been made more than a conqueror. But if the devil can talk you out of it, you won't walk in it. Somebody say, subdue. Finally, he tells us dominion. Take dominion. The word dominion means to prevail or reign. Matthew 16, Jesus speaks to Peter and says, And I say unto thee, thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. What's he saying? He's saying, Peter, I've given you dominion. He said, and the gates of hell cannot overtake you. Whatever you bind on earth is going to be bound in heaven. 
And whatever you loose on earth is going to be loosed in heaven. It took Peter a while to figure out how to step into that. And when he finally did, he wrote to us in 1 Peter 2 and 9, he said, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Can I tell you that what we need to do is turn the light on? I know you guys don't like this, but I'm telling you, if you're carrying his image, it ought to cause people to have to take a second look. It, it ought to cause people to look up and say, what is that about them? There's something about them that's shining out in my eyes. There's something about them that's reflecting to me the power, the authority, and the image of God. When I got saved, my friends, the ones that knew me, said, you're different. I said, yeah, I am. Let me tell you why. They didn't want the explanation. I gave it to them anyway. You're going to hurt their feelings. Well, I'd rather hurt their feelings than see them in hell. Do you understand? People that really know you. And then they see the change in you. And they know that it's real. Take dominion. In the book of Revelation, he tells us that we will rule and reign on earth. Walk in dominion. When the, Paul makes a statement, he said, Christ in us, the hope of glory. Heard me share this story when I was working a full-time job, and I'm in the back, and I'm talking to this guy, and I start talking to him about Jesus, and I was getting excited. He started backing away from me like this, and I'm I'm moving toward him, and he finally threw his hands up, and he said, "Stop, stop, Rick, stop where you're at." I said, "What's wrong with you?" He said, "Rick, every time you start talking about Jesus, he said your voice changes, and you get this wild look in your eye." <laughs> Somebody say dominion. <laughs> I'm telling you, there is something that comes over you. It's the breath of God that begins to raise up inside of you, and you feel like Clark Kent. You're looking for a phone booth, man, because you're saying there's something greater inside here that's in the world. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Would you stand with me? God wants us to take dominion. I want you to hear me. The question is, what keeps us from our mandate? We forget what we're here for. We just get into routine and go to church and go to work, and we forget what we're here for. Debbie's dad, I, when I was 18 years old, and I knew that I had a call of an evangelist on my life at that time. And I was chomping at the bits, but I wasn't ready. I mean, I had it in here, but I didn't have, I, I had the excitement, but I needed the word. I needed to be established in him. And I'll never forget, he looked at me one day and he said, you know, Rick, there's an awful lot of evangelizing that could be done right around here. And when he said that to me, I made up my mind I was going to have a revival wherever I was at. 
I saw it happen on the job. I saw guys get healed on the job. I had a guy in the back I, minis- I, was, I was ministering to, and all of a sudden, man, he got real pale. And he said, do you see that? I said, see what? He said, there was an angel. I said, I didn't see any angel, but I sure felt God. <laughs> I-, I sure felt God in this place. Do you understand who you are? You're a child of God. Not from just the fact that you were born into this world, but because you've been born again. Born again. And the devil tries to talk you out of it. He tries to make you believe that you don't matter and you don't count. Do you know why he does that? Because he's scared to death of what's going to happen when you finally come to the realization, I got the breath of God in me. I'm, I'm, I'm in the image of my Father. And you start walking in that. I've watched my wife lead complete strangers to the Lord for years. Now, I'm not, I'm not making these numbers up. I mean, they're, you know, she's, she said, I want to make every day count. There were years that she had personally led over 500 people to God, people in gas stations, people in grocery stores. I was pumping gas one time, went in to pay for the gas, came back, and there's Debbie standing there with somebody in the parking lot. They're crying, and I'm thinking, that ain't even right. (laughs) Man, it takes me 30, 45 minutes of preaching to get somebody in the altar. She did it in two minutes. It's because she recognized that she carries the breath of God. She's always said, and you know this if you know her, is God will give her a word, his word, and his word breaks every yoke. Heart after heart that's broken in a public place when she shared the word of God with them. People just start control. I, saw, I was in Kmart one time, man. She had somebody up in front of Kmart. A lady fell out on the floor. Manager come running up there. What's going on? You okay? You okay? And Debbie's going, yeah, she's all right. She's all right. She... Hear me. We are all created in his image, made in his likeness carry the breath of God in us. But you have to let it out. You have to say, here I am, God. Use me. Would you just stretch your hands to heaven with me right now? Here I am. We don't keep the mandate because we forget where we're at. Adam knew his purpose, but he allowed sin to separate him from God. Sin separates. God's desire is to restore our relationship with him so we can fulfill our purpose on the earth. Jesus makes a statement. He said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I came that you could have life and have it more abundantly. What's he saying? He said, I am the breath of God in you. 
I am your authority. I am that I am. Second Corinthians 5 and 20. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to share it, to speak it. Come back to God. Yesterday at the men's breakfast, I asked all the men, I said, I'm going to ask you to do something tomorrow when you get in church. I said, I want you to find someone you don't know and shake their hand and let them know you're glad they're there. Why? Because we all need to feel like we're wanted. We need to, the devil makes us feel like we're not. And I'm telling you, this is my personal appeal to you. I am so happy you're here. I may not know your name, but I know your face because you look like my daddy. (laughs) We've been made joint heirs in Christ. We are uniquely connected together, and I rejoice at your presence in this building. And I've been sent here to tell you that Dad's saying, turn loose of all your fears. Let go of all your anxiety. Quit doubting, and just trust me. Just raise your hands and begin to praise Him. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. So if you're in this building today, and you say, Pastor, I'm ready, to, I, I'm ready to breathe the breath of God. I'm ready to walk in the mandate. I want my life to be fruitful. I want to multiply. I want to replenish. I want to subdue. I want to take dominion. And I invite you to come to the front of this building right now, very quickly right now. You don't, just, just come up here real quick. I'm not going to push you down. I'm not going to, I'm I'm just asking you to come and stand with me. See, here's the deal. The Lord started dealing with me about this last week. And I was thinking, and the thought just hit me and said, what are we doing? What, What are we doing? What are we here for? I realized, I thought, you know, there, there's been revival in the air. We've been seeing healing and we've been seeing God move on people. But we've got, we've got to move past just waiting to get to church, to feel God. We have to become the breath of God to others. We have to become the image of God to others. It's in that moment when you're standing in front of someone that's hurting, someone that may never walk through a church house door, but you stand in front of them, and my friend, you are the church. You are the hands of God. And you begin to share with them. Here's the key. Don't think less of yourself. Just think about yourself less. Let me say it one more time. Don't don't think less of yourself. Just think about yourself less. Because if, now this is experience talking. If my focus is always, if the devil keeps my focus on me and my inabilities and my insignificance and all the reasons I can't, he will keep me 
sidelined. But if I just quit thinking about me and start thinking about him and everything he's done to me and for me and through me, then all of a sudden you come away from there going, you know what? <laughs> I can do it. I can do it. Are you ready? Get somebody by the hand. I'm going to share one more story. We're getting ready to pray. Everybody say pray. I know Debbie's going, you've got so many stories. This, you got somebody's hand? Hold their hand. Little boy went into the puppy, into the pet store, sign on the window, puppies, $28. He reached in his pocket, pulled out some crumpled bills and change. He said, Mr., I got $5.28. Is that enough to at least look at one of those puppies? And he said, yeah, you can, you can look at the puppy. And all of a sudden, he brought the puppies out, and they kept running out. And the boy was immediately drawn to a puppy that had a game leg. It was dragging one of its legs. And the boy went and he grabbed that puppy. And he said, this is, this is the puppy I want. And the man looked at him and he said, son, he said, you don't want that puppy. He said, that puppy's never going to run with you. That puppy won't play with you. And he said, no. He said, I want this puppy. And he said, well, son, if you want that puppy, I'll just give it to you. Buddy, he ignited a fire in that boy. And that boy looked at him and he said, mister, this puppy's worth every bit as much as any of the rest of those puppies. He said, you got $5.28. I'm going to pay you a dollar and a half every week until I get this puppy paid for. And he said, son, are you sure? And the boy didn't say a word. He just reached and pulled up his pant leg and there was a brace on his leg. And he said, son, you go ahead and take that puppy home now. He said, and you can pay me each week because he needs someone that understands him. He was king of glory. No fault, no failure, no sin. But he stepped into our world and was tempted, the scripture said, was tempted in like manner as we were. In other words, he felt what it is we go through. He felt the pull. He felt the tug, but he refused to give into it because he said they're worth as much as anything else in this world. They're worth more to me. And so what's he do? He stretches out his arms and he said, I'm going to die for you. I'm going to be, I'm going to become sin so you can be free from yours. Are you ready to let the breath of God breathe through you? Stretch your hands up with me right now. I would, if, if you would, just, just grab somebody by the hand that you're standing next to, and as, as you grab their hand, you're going to be praying for them as well, okay? And what you're praying is, God, help them understand who they are. Let them understand that they have purpose, that you've got a plan. Go ahead. Hey, come here just a second. Hold on just a second. Come on, come on, come here. Just, just stretch your hands, step it. Now, I'm just going to tell you what's coming to me. Is you, you, you're looking for some answers. Is that right? 
Okay, as you hold your hands up, God knows your situation. He knows where you're at. He's familiar with everything around you. And so you don't have to worry about it anymore, okay? And he's going to take care of it. He's going to, the scripture says, if we acknowledge him in all of our ways, that he will direct our path. He's going to do that for you starting right here, right now. Are you ready for that? Church, just stretch your hands now. Stretch your hands to heaven. Santana needs a healing in his back. Now, I know the great physician, and he, he knows exactly what's wrong without putting you in an MRI. <laughs> he can, I believe he can take care of it. Say it with me. I carry, I carry the breath of God. Why don't you blow on your situation? <laughs> well, yeah, I, I'm being as serious as I can be. Sometimes you, you, you need to see something. You need to take an action that shows and demonstrates you're walking in faith. I mean, God could have healed Isaiah with just the word. But instead, he said, go get a plaster of figs and put that on him. I was preaching in Hot Springs, Arkansas, and there's a guy that was sick, and, and he read that passage. You know what he did? He went and had his wife buy a bunch of fig newtons. He put the fig newtons on his body, and God healed him. God, he didn't even smash him up. God healed him. Why? Because he was acting in faith. He was breathing on his situation. Sometimes the breath that we put on our situation is a bunch of complaining. It's a bunch of worry. And we just need to breathe faith. Somebody say, I believe. Do you believe? He's more than enough. Hey, here's the good news. It's when you don't know what to do, it lets you be able to step back and say, okay, God, just take care of it. You know, you know what needs to happen. I'm just asking you to take care of it. Would you stretch your hands to heaven with me right now? God. Yeah. 
last time, grab that hand, turn around, look at him, say, you know whose hand you're holding? I'm, I'm a child of God. Take a good look at me. You'll see a reflection of my father. Look around the eyes, because when I, I look at things, I don't look like I used to anymore. I look at them differently. There's some of my father showing up in my eyes. Look around my nose and, and, and understand that sometimes I can smell trouble in my ears because God has honed my ears to hear his word. And finally, take a good look at my mouth because I've discovered that all you have to do is taste and see that the Lord is good. As you raise those hands to heaven with me right now, Father, we thank you together today that you have formed us in your image and breathed your breath into us. I pray for every individual in this building today, God, that they will tangibly sense your presence directing them. That these aren't just words, God, but it's your word and they're standing on it and taking confidence in it and they're going to take authority over their emotions that are trying to tell them that there's no point in trying. They're taking authority and standing in your word today and declaring that you are more than enough in Jesus' name. We give you praise for it right now. Come on, give them a hand clap of praise in this building. God is looking for everything that's wrong with you. That's what we do, right? We look in the mirror and we start looking at pores. Oh goodness, I think I got a pimple coming up, you know. We we st- we start looking. I look at my I look at Debbie says she likes my lines. I said I'd love to give them to you. I just I I I see I look in the face and my face the devil will try and point out everything that's wrong. So you miss whose reflection you are, whose image you are, who you belong to. Just say it with me, I belong to him. (laughs) I'm I'm gonna look at the mirror in the morning and I'm gonna see. I'm gonna see him in my eyes. I'm gonna see him in my ears. I'm gonna see him all over me. Now the Lord bless and keep you and make his face shine upon you. The Lord be gracious to you and bless you going in and coming out. And may you always know that you, my friend, are the image of God made in his likeness. In Jesus' name. God bless you today.